0: Did I tell you what book of, I said Luke, did I tell you the chapter? Didn't tell you, turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 19, Luke chapter number 19. We talked this morning about the firm foundation that God is laying in us, amen? How many of y'all believe that you're built upon a firm foundation? with christ being the cornerstone amen and uh this this evening i i won't keep you very long at all there's just a word here that i think we need to have just a moment um to recognize in the house of god this this evening um and uh god god showed me this earlier in the week and i wasn't sure if he was going to allow me you know god shows you things sometimes and you uh you just you don't know if these are things that he wants you to share or if he wants you to keep them like mary and ponder them in your own heart amen uh but this week i wondered about this if god was going to let me share this with the body um and i i believe he released me to do so this afternoon as i was praying about what to preach this evening and um you know i'm not like other preachers that uh they put their message together weeks and weeks and weeks and you know and you know i uh I sometimes I'm the hour before and God lays it on my heart amen and sometimes it's you know it, it, it never fails if I put something together in the middle of the week God changes it changes my mind or, or or finally lets me listen or I finally hear uh Saturday night and it gets changed up you never know so uh anyway this afternoon I was praying God what are you going to have me preach tonight you know the the thing about that is uh if you stay in your word, and you stay prayed up, then you can pretty much preach whatever the Lord lays on your heart. And so, um, I thank God that He causes me to have a love for His Word, and He causes me to have a love for His people, and a and a and a passion um, for prayer. And uh, and so He always is faithful. And you know what? When I when I don't when I don't prepare, uh, maybe weeks and weeks in advance, I know that whatever happens behind this pulpit is the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so I don't get to take any credit for it at that point. And so, um, so this evening, um, I don't want to take any credit for this either, but this was a word that God had showed me um, through my old pastor. So I don't even take credit for this tonight. Um, Brother Dwight Jones is the pastor of Harvest Assembly that's in Park Hills, Missouri. And I got online and I was just listening to my old pastor preached this week. And he spoke a word from this, this uh, book of Luke here. Um, we're going to be in... Uh, verse number 41 when we begin reading uh, chapter number 19 verse number 41 and he began to share on this and it, it was word that just began to become rhema in my life amen how many of y'all know we need a rhema word every now and then and so this was rhema to me this week and it's something that i think we need to take a, a, a focus at uh, so uh, without any further ado let's begin reading if you will stand with me if you're able for the reading of the word we won't we won't be very long in the scripture tonight. It says in verse number 41, And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. Verse number 42 says, Saying, he was weeping, and he said this, If thou had only known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes, for the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trance about thee and shall compass thee around and keep thee on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight. Those who were faithful, those who were diligent, to come in, Lord. Let this word be Rama in their life tonight. Give me the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God. Let make preaching easy tonight in Jesus' name. And at church said, "Amen," and "Amen." You could be seated if you will. The Lord, the Lord had directed my pastor, Dwight Jones, and 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 then led me into the Scripture and led me to begin to look at this even more closely. But there's something that we find here in the scripture that I don't know about you, but uh, I've read this scripture. I've read through the book of Luke over and over and over again. I really like the book of Luke because he's full of detail. Luke was the great physician. And so he was a little bit more detailed than say maybe Mark or, or John or uh, something like that. So I like looking at Luke. Matter of fact, I love the beginning chapters of Luke because uh, Luke talks about the, the, the John, the Baptist and the, the, the angel that came down to Zachariah, his father, and, and, and Elizabeth, his mother, and it talks about how, you know, the virgin birth of, of, of Jesus, and it talks about Mary, and it talks about the anointing, and talks about them going to the wilderness, and so I really love Luke, and I've read through Luke so many different times, and I don't think I ever really paid attention to this, but the one time in Scripture that we think about Jesus weeping, how many you all know the Scripture that everybody memorizes as their first Scripture is Jesus wept, amen? And that was because Jesus was weeping in that time over uh, his friend. His friend Lazarus had died, and they said, "Had you only come!" You, but now you're four days too late. If you if you'd have just hurried up, God. And, uh, how many times will we try to tell God how He should have done it, Amen? But uh, or how He should be doing it. But uh, I, I don't I don't know about you, but I've looked at this scripture and probably skimmed over it over and over and over again. But this is the only place, other than that time when we're talking about Him. Weeping over his friend Lazarus that we see Jesus has wept. Amen. This is the one time in Scripture other than him grieving over his friend and the unbelief of those. And there are scholars who would tell you they have all these different translations or or, or opinions, I guess you could say, as to why Jesus was weeping when he knew that he was going to resurrect Lazarus. And, you know, that's not what we're preaching about tonight and I don't need to have an opinion. But here it is very clear. Why Jesus wept? You see, it says in the Bible here that Jesus looked. He says, and when he had come near. Now, I, let me set the stage for you. This is the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into the city of Jerusalem. This was. This is one of the greatest, uh, biggest, uh, most. I, I'm, I'm looking for the words. This is just one of the one of the largest uh, acts that Jesus had in his. In his ministry, he was coming into Jerusalem, and he was popular. This was when when he went in, and you know, we talk about this on Palm Sunday all the time. He was; they were waving the palm leaves and the palm branches in front of him. I'm going to go grab my Bible and just walk around a little bit tonight because I'm reading um, by the letter, like Brother Josh Vandergraff does. I'm going to just open up and let her fly. Um, but uh, but Jesus said, uh, Jesus said, uh, when so when he had come into the city, he was getting ready. He he told, and I'm I'm just kind of do, giving you the short, condensed version. He told a couple of his disciples. He said, "Go over into the town next to us, and he said, get a get this colt of a donkey that's tied up into the post. And when if somebody asks you about it, then tell them the Lord has need of it. The master has need of it. So they go and they untie the colt of the donkey, and then the uh, sure enough, the guy who owns the donkey he says. Uh, you know, what are you doing, man? And they said, well, the master has need of it. And then they let him go, and just like God had said they would. And so they go, and the Bible says they took off their garments and they threw it upon the, the colt so that he could walk on it. And he began to ride into Jerusalem. And this is the picture. You know, we we skip from the cult to when he entered in Jerusalem, and the crowds begin to cry, Hosanna, come save us, save us now. And I find it kind of ironic that the crowd was saying that day, save us, save us now. When they were crying Hosanna, they were saying, help us, please, save us right now. They were looking for this king, and they they accepted Jesus as even possibly the Messiah, and they were saying, Hosanna, save us now. And yet Jesus was able to look and say that, they weren't ready for saving they weren't even recognizing the time of their visitation and so this is as jesus began to ride on this cult of a donkey he just began to go through and the the terrain where he was at i just want to try and set the stage and show you the picture right here but this the terrain where he was at was very kind of rocky and and and, and diverse and so it was uh, it was uh just tough terrain to actually get through to come into that side of Jerusalem and so that was there was no mistake that he needed the cult of a donkey because they are steady footed and they are able to get you through the terrain that you need to go. And and the area where he was entering he was entering on the eastern gates and right now in Jerusalem the eastern gates are still there but they are shut up they are closed up and they will never be opened again until Jesus himself comes back because the Bible says that he's coming through the eastern gates and when he returns in glory he's going to be coming through those eastern that's the next time that they're going to open up they're not going to open up before then they've been sealed up shut and so right now this area still is is around in Jerusalem and you come in and when you're in that eastern part of the city as you're getting ready to walk in uh, you can look up and see uh, the temple the original temple grounds and you can see the dome of the rock now uh, which is the third most holy site for the Muslim community but right there didn't used to be split between two religions. It wasn't the Dome of the Rock and the in the temple grounds. It was just simply Herod's temple. And Jesus, no doubt, was coming up this eastern gate. And as he was riding on this colt of a donkey, he could hear the crowds already beginning to chant. Hosanna, 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 save us. Will you just save us now? Save us now. Save us from this tyrant. Save us from this Caesar. Save us from Herod. Will you just save us now? And he could hear the crowds. Uh, from where he was at, but he hadn't entered into the city. He was still far enough off that he could see this great Herod's temple. And he looked, and the Bible says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. This was the the one time in scripture that we can read that Jesus wept and we understand exactly what he wept for. He said uh, he not only wept, but he wept for it saying, if thou had only known that in at least in this thy day, that what uh, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hidden from you, And he goes on and he begins to prophesy and he begins to tell uh, of what's going to happen to Jerusalem. Do you know that Jesus was prophesying right here? There are times when Jesus was speaking in parables. There are times when Jesus was speaking for things relevant to the time and hour which he was in. Uh, anything that's written in red, you can take it to the bank. But this is one time that Jesus was prophesying something that was about to happen in the natural. I need you to understand understand. He said for for the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee on every side. Jesus was prophesying something that was going to come to pass and I need you to understand that you won't find the fulfillment of the prophecy in the scripture but nonetheless it happened just a few short years after the scripture was written if you go and you, you begin to research Jewish history then you would find in writings such as uh, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him, but Flavius Josephus. Um, Josephus was a was a Jewish historian who wrote about the, the the Jewish times and the Jewish times of the day. And he actually wrote and he he wrote about Jesus even in his uh, chronology. And it's an extra biblical type of reference that we have to Jesus's existence because there are people who would say that Jesus never existed because aside from a few other people, the Bible Bible is the only thing that talks about Jesus. Um but 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 Josephus has in his writings several references to Jesus and so in a reference to John the Baptist and a reference to James the brother of Jesus. And so he's got all these references, but he also references something that happened in in the year 70 AD. So we know if, if uh, you know we know BC and AD y'all y'all know that stuff. I mean I don't want to have to get into a to a science lesson, or or whatever that would be really considered, but, um, but you've got BC before Christ, and then you've got AD, all right, and uh, and Jesus lived at zero, and he lived to be thirty three, so thirty three AD is when uh, he was crucified and he resurrected, Amen. Uh, and so he was he was talking while he was thirty three years old about this that was going to happen. To Jerusalem. And in 70 AD, Josephus writes about what had happened. There was a Roman ruler named Titus. And he came in to Jerusalem. And because a leadership had changed, it went from the rulership of Nero, which we read about with Paul being afflicted by Nero. Um, but uh, through the book of Acts and several of the writings of Paul, you see Nero. Well, after Nero was a man named Titus, and he was a was a a, a tyrant ruler over the area, and he came in and he besieged Jerusalem. And so, what Jesus was speaking about, he said, "For not many, for for the days shall come that you will be your enemy will encamp around about you on every single side. That the enemy will camp around about you. And what happened was, Titus came in and he camped around the children of Israel. He camped around Jerusalem and he had put a, a siege on it. And Josephus writes of this siege. I need the reason I'm talking to you about this tonight is that Jesus was warning. He was prophesying to the city. And he was saying, if you'd only recognized that this was your time of visitation. If you would have only recognized that I'm the Savior of the world and I'm coming in. I've heard a songwriter say, oh, while you were sleeping, Bethlehem, uh, uh, the Savior was born, amen, while you were sleeping. Uh, but this is just the same type of message Jesus was saying. If you would have only known, had you only known that, that, that what peace belongs to you, but it's hidden from your eyes. And he says it... That, that there's an, a ruler that's going to come and he's going to encamp around about you on every side. And he said, not one stone will be laid upon the other stone, but you will be made flat. And he said, and they shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. He even spoke of children uh, being laid down in the ground. of uh, Cruelty to children in this prophecy. And he said, because you knew not the time of your visitation, I'm telling you tonight, church, that we need to recognize the time of our visitation. The grace of God is being poured out like it's never been poured out before. And I'm not talking about cheap grace. I'm talking about grace the, that is from God. And he's got so so much grace and so much love for this world that is out there. He loved it so much that He gave His only begotten Son. I'm telling you, we're living in an hour in dispensation of grace, but we need to recognize the time of our visitation. We need to recognize the time that we have in front of us right now, which is when Jesus is saying, come, come, come. You've heard me talk about this before, but Jesus has got His arms stretched out on the cross, and I believe He's still got those same arms stretched out, and with one arm he's holding back the father and saying not yet and with the other arm he's saying come 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 all you who are weary and heavy laden I will give you rest he's saying come come while the hour is nigh you need to recognize the time of your visitation why am I saying that tonight because in 70 AD under ruler Titus there was a besiegement around Jerusalem And the enemy camped around them on every side, and he began to starve out Jerusalem. And if you read on Josephus' writings of what happened in that time and day, he starts talking about how there were looters in the land, and there were zealots, and there were rebels in the land, and they were taking. And it said that even family members would begin to fight with other family members if they thought they had a morsel of food. That food was so scarce that they began to eat leather shoelaces and leathers, leather things from off of their armor. That food was so scarce, uh, scarce that, that they, they took bundles of grass and they were eating bundles of grass and it went at a high price. But Josephus in his writing, he says, I need not bother you with all this and I would never even write this had, not, had I not had other contemporaries write it and I don't want to leave it out of my writings when they're putting it in their writings. But he said the worst thing is that there was a lady, and he names her in his writing, and he says that she lived outside of Jerusalem. But when the besiegement came, she went inside of Jerusalem. She was a wealthy lady, and all of her stuff had been plundered and taken by thieves and robbers. And she got tired of trying to provide for her family. And she looked down at the baby that was on that was nursing at her breast. And she said, far be it for me to bring, bring you up in this world. She said, if you can't, if I can't provide food for you, then at least you can provide food for me. And she, sl- she slay her baby and burnt the flesh of her baby and cut it in half and ate half of her baby. And soon as she was boiling the flesh and the, the smell went into the air, Along came the people kicking down her door, the the scoundrels and the ones that were uh, going around and raiding and looting. And they came in and they said, we'll kill you if you don't give us the meat that you She said, don't worry, I've saved you half. I've saved you your portion. And she brought forth the half of her baby that was not eaten yet. And they looked upon it with fright because I—I I don't know if you know this, but in Jewish, uh, in in the Jewish area or in Jewish culture, uh, it was absolutely a no-no to think about eating any human flesh. It was a defilement that went against anything that they ever stood for. And she said, oh, no, don't back up now. Don't back up now. I've already eaten my half. And he's, she said, don't let a woman be more uh, brave than you in this matter. If you want to come kicking my door down every time and steal what I have to eat, then go ahead and eat and partake of this. And they began to back away. And she said, nevertheless, then I'll eat your portion. And she ate the other portion. And the, and Josephus's writings go on to say, that, uh, that it was noised abroad through all of Jerusalem and all of them talked about it quietly as though the reproach had been done by them themselves because they recognized that it was then the hand of God that it was allowing this to happen why am I saying all this? because this is the very thing that Jesus right here was prophesying that in, th- that in 30 years 35 years from the day that Jesus prophesied this that besiegement happened He said, said, you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. And he began to weep. And Jesus wept over a city that did not recognize that he was there for them. He didn't recognize that their king had come to pay them a visit. They didn't recognize that the Savior of the world... Was riding into them. Yes, they were crying Hosanna, but they would have cried it to any prophet, anyone who did a miracle, any false anything. But they weren't ready. They they didn't really. They weren't really looking for the Savior. Why am I Why am I talking about this tonight? Because I believe that we, as the church, we get so caught up. I need you to understand and hear my heart tonight. I'm looking forward to that great getting up morning. I'm looking forward to the day that we walk through under the, the, the streets of gold. I'm looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm looking forward to the triumph that we have in Jesus. I don't know about you, and I don't know about how you believe tonight, but I'm looking forward to going up before the tribulation. I'm looking forward and going up before all the mess begins to really happen down here. I mean, you can stick around if you want to, but I'm looking forward to going up in the front. Amen. And so I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to that day. But I believe we get so caught up as the church in our security of who we are that we fail to recognize what's going to happen shortly after we go up. Now, I know when we're there, no tear will even hit our eye. We'll be able to weep no more. He'll wipe away every tear. But I'm telling you that while we're here, we need to redeem the time. Because I'm telling you, God has given us a picture of what's about to happen. And I'm telling you right now that what Titus did to Jerusalem in 70 AD pales in comparison to the bowls of the wrath of Almighty God that are going to be poured out upon all this world. Because after the rapture of the church, when that battle, that final battle of Armageddon comes, I I believe the Bible says that all but one-sixth of the world population will be killed all but one-sixth of the people will die. Do you, I, do you understand, I, Can we even fathom that for a moment? We think in our town. We think in Springfield. We think in terms of our state or maybe even in terms of America. But I need you to think about the entirety of the world. That all but one-sixth of the world's population is going to fade away into an eternal hell. Because yes, we'll be gone. Yes, we'll be celebrated. Yes, we'll be in that that great place. And when we get there, it'll be time to celebrate. But that time to celebrate is not now. Now is the time for work. Now is the time that you heard me say it last week, some you save with fear, pulling them out of the pits of hell as if you were just pulling them out of the fiery flames. I'm telling you, we need to get a holy reverence again for recognizing that one of these days, God is going to pour out His wrath. We get so caught up in what God is, uh, the good parts of God, and and I I, I thank God for His good attributes. But the reality is many of our loved ones, many of the people who live on each side of us, Sister Evelyn, many of those that live in that apartment complex, that family, those those young children, many of them are going to be left behind. Many of them are going to be left behind. The people who live on your street, the people who live on our street, the people who are right now at our community pool rather be at the pool and playing and laughing and having fun in the flesh than being in the house of God and hearing the Word of God. They have no more relationship with God than any donkey or mule. But rather than be upset at them or be just, oh, don't worry about them, I'm going up in the rapture, we need to get a holy reverence because if Jesus looked upon the city and He wept, how much more should we how much more should we weep? my prayer for us as a church is that we would get so concerned so concerned you know what would change Springfield if we got so concerned for the salvation of Springfield if we would walk if we would somehow get out on 44 or get on Highway 65 or get on is it 65 coming in from the north whatever it is and just begin to see Springfield maybe it takes night time before i think there's a high hill on 65 north as you come back from Donna and and Tommy John's place and you can get up high enough and you can see Springfield what would happen if we'd get up to that place and just begin to look down and weep and say oh Springfield Oh, city where Smith Wigglesworth's preached! Think about the think about the times that the word of God has been preached in this city. Think about the the times that great men of God have donned the doors of church buildings in this city. Think about the theology that the college was started with, Sister Valerie. Think about think about the doctrine and the the gospel that 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 uh, that that Central Bible College was started with and founded upon is now has its doors closed. Think about the great things and then think about the demons in hell that have been put forth in this city, this this city of headquarters, this city of uh, of a hub for God's work. Think about the agenda of the enemy that's against this city. And then just for a moment think about the people that are affected by that agenda. I said it this morning. I met a lady this week, and she believed in God, Jehovah, but she was so twisted in her mind and in her doctrine. She had no idea how to separate the things of God from the mystical things of this world because she had somehow allowed the lines to be blurred so much. Why? Because people are because the enemy's sly, because he's effective. But what would happen if we got on that high place and we just begin to weep? and say, God, give us the city. God, give us the seed. God, give us the, seed. God, give us the seed. Last week, I said, my, my brother-in-law preached us a sermon, and he taught very well. But he said, of, he was talking about Gideon, and he said, Gideon was worried about providing by threshing the wheat in the wine press. He was trying to pr- provide food for a few when God was trying to get him to save a nation. I don't want to be a church that's trying to provide food for a few I want to be a church that's trying to provide salvation for a nation salvation for at least this city I want to be able to look at Springfield through the eyes of Jesus and if we look at them through the eyes of Jesus it will be tear filled eyes we'll begin to say God help us to save them help us that they don't miss the hour of their visitation I know, I can look out in this room tonight. I know there's nobody that needs salvation in this room. Why do I know? Because I know the fruits of your life. I know that they're, that you, you're you walking with God and you're doing the best that you can. But I also know that we have work to do out there. Paul said, look look to the fields now. They're white. The harvest is white now. The, 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 the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Amen? We need to be about His business and not miss the hour of our visitation by God.